0: Hello! How's it going? Uh, welcome to the next episode of SG Explain. Alright, let me just go and share this. I think that's a routine we have to always do, Yes, which is we are, we are incredibly social. Uh, and as Willie, uh, goes on his social medias, we shall be, uh, opening up with exactly what this topic is all about, which is water. Uh, and there's a reason why we've chosen water. Uh, if you guys tuned into our episode last, uh, two weeks ago, uh, you would have known that we, Willie and I, are on this journey to understand what it means to be Singaporean. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a very complex question, and we know that we won't be able to find an answer anytime soon, right. but we decided to tackle it in as many ways that we know how, uh, one of it, which is a conversation that always seems to repeat itself, uh, water, right? And that's happening with what we're seeing in Malaysia, uh, that's happening with what we're seeing even uh, with, with rising water costs and in and, and some of these uh, news situations, so so exactly what does it mean in Singapore? What is the the concerns like, and 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 the whole shebang? That's what we're gonna <laughs> dive
1: into today. I think I think we've been trying to talk about a subject in the last few episodes. So at least we opened this year with what exactly is a Singaporean, and then think that there are things that actually identify as a Singaporeans, and especially. Right something that's really close to home and really identify us in our culture and the way we do things like water right yeah which is why I think today it's very appropriate to talk about it as well especially since there's some tension across the across the border and uh, and I think that we, we want to revisit exactly what is going on right. with uh, Singapore and what's the deal with between Singapore and our neighbors in regards to water. why water is such an important discussion. Uh, through the years, even I think our leaders, like Ni Kuan Yew, has emphasized the importance of water. Uh, and, and I think if you actually dig, there's really a rich history of, uh, how water and, and uh, the situation of water in Singapore is like.
0: Right. Yeah. It really I, shapes the way we do things. I, uh, I do want to say that right before this, Willie and I were deciding the title for the show, uh, and we went through some interesting names. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about 30 Singaporeans, uh, mm-hmm. for those who get that joke. Uh, the wet, and wild, <laughs> wet if, and wild history of Singapore. Wet and wild history of Singapore. So if, if, if we come up with certain water puns around, along the way, uh, you know, just flow with it. Uh, if you get Oh, my. okay, okay. I'm not, I'm not gonna waste to show. I'm not gonna waste to show. We're gonna have yeah. a lot of puns over here. <laughs> Alright,
1: those guys who just tuned in, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, today's topic is about water. And if, uh, t- today we just want to tell you, you know, Maybe a question to to for tonight for everyone to really think about is: Can you imagine Singapore without water? Well, if you have, uh, if if you can, please leave a comment. If you have something that you want to ask about water and uh, and how water in Singapore is like, please also leave a uh, comment. Then we'll try to answer your questions as well. If not, maybe let's just dive in today into this entire thing. So today I actually did my homework in this. Uh, I spent my Sunday trying to figure out this. How, how do I structure today's discussion about water? And I, 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 just, we're just going to run through basically, uh, the situation of water today. The, uh, uh, what was next? The four taps. We're
0: right. talking about the four taps, right? I this those, in social yeah, as well. The yeah, four the
1: four taps of Singapore. We're going to be talking about the politics surrounding Singapore's water. Right. Right. And of course, what exactly is the future of uh, water in Singapore. Right. Yeah. So maybe let's just dive in, alright? Okay, so. We're diving in. Yeah, we're diving in. (laughs) Oh, my. So water has and will always be a uh, precious resource in Singapore. I think we all can't live without water. In 2015, the Washington-based World Resource Institute identified the city-state as one of 33 out of 167 countries uh, most likely to face extremely high water stress by 2040. Wow. Singapore is going to be facing a water stress in 2040. Right. So to help overcome the absence of natural water bodies, Singapore government has come up with innovative ways to expand and diversify Singapore's water resources. And over the years, you know that POB, our, of course, our national public utility board of water, uh, has created sustainable supplies from four different sources. And we talk about the four taps. So they are. The local catchment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have imported water, so I, I think guess. that's why the debate is most about, right? Imported, imported water, water from mostly from Malaysia. Malaysia. Uh, we have reclaimed water, such as new water, and we have desalinated water, which is basically taking water from the sea and making to drinkable water. Right. So these four sources are actually what we call the four national taps. Right. And have really come a long way to help Singapore meet its water needs. So this basically is essentially how we are surviving in Singapore. Such a small island. And how we actually are sustainable in uh, having uh, what, what do you call it portable water right. and that we can consume. I, I'm curious though
0: why we have. So I know we are a dense country.
1: Yes. Right.
0: Uh, and we have a decently large population. Well, large by by relative standards, but objectively uh, compared to some of the other cities in the world. Well, not that large. Like New York hmm. has so much more people, London has so much more people, just by by pure volume. Uh, so why why is the issue so tight in Singapore? What is is it just because we we don't have access to water, or is it because we're actually consuming too much water?
1: Hmm. True. I think it might be both because our access to water, since we're an island, but places like New York, I mean, you could get your water sources from outside. Uh, or, or the surrounding New York State for example, sure. yeah, in the rural areas, suburban areas, you can right. extract water to actually supply into the city. Right. But Singapore unfortunately does not have uh sovereignty over uh, areas that could they could extract water from. Right. Yeah. So no, I I agree with yeah. you,
0: and and mm-hmm. I don't I don't think anyone would deny that our access to water is one thing. I mm-hmm. but I also question, is it is it because. We are consuming too much water, maybe.
1: It's true as well. Right? Yeah. And, and I think that also our consumption is tied at also largely to our industrial use for water as well.
0: Right. So I'm, yeah. I'm seeing here, um, mm. that water demand in Singapore is currently about 430 million yeah. gallons a day. Yeah. Uh, just to provide some context to our listeners, that is about enough to fill 782 Olympic sized swimming pools. Wow. Uh and you know, if you were to divide that up, uh forty five percent of their water consumption comes from homes mm-hmm. and non domestic, so that's industrial, that's recreational, that's everything else. That takes up fifty five percent. Right. Mm-hmm. So actually a big amount comes
1: from 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 non uh non domestic yeah. non-domestic use. Exactly. Uh, right. It's kinda of like half half, right, don't you think? So like forty five percent uh, domestic use for homes and 55 percent comes for industrial use as well right
0: i don't have any way to what do what do those numbers mean then mm-hmm. So is are those good numbers are those are those bad numbers because i'm also saying that by 2060 uh our total water demand could almost double mm-hmm. so that's from 465 million to probably around 930 million mm-hmm. uh but out of that 930 million, 70% is going to come from the non-domestic sector. Exactly. So that means our industrial demand for water, our recreational demand for water, uh, all of that is going to be one of the major
1: sources uh, for our water constraints. Exactly. Which yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, as uh, I suppose, as Singapore moves into more high-tech technologies or manufacturing or or sectors uh, that uses high amounts of water. I, right. I, I suppose that's why there's an increase in this demand as well. Right. Yeah, so, it, 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 I mean, I think what's unique possibly to Singapore is that we incorporate both our industrial areas and the residential areas in a very dense area. Right. And the consumption for both are actually taking a lot of water. Right. Um, but maybe in cities, I'm not sure whether certain cities actually have industrial areas, or, re, or rather the industrial areas are in the suburban areas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, are different, there are different ways
0: that countries and, and, and cities plant themselves out, like, you know, places like the UK, you have, you have livable cities and then you have industrial cities. Precisely. Right. So, so there is that delineation in Singapore. Mm. All of it is, 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 is together. Yeah. So, mm. so you're right. I mean, even with, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later on, but about w- water price hikes and all this yep. kind of stuff. actually the biggest people that, 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 the public policy experts were more concerned about weren't really homes. Uh, sure, to a certain extent, maybe low income houses would be affected by the price hike, but it was actually the industrial sector. Because if you think about, for example, a semiconductor, uh, a fab plant, they are consuming so much water, mm-hmm. right? Because they need to basically have that much going through their, their, their factory. If you increase the price by just a bit, multiply that by the pure Volume that they have to go through, they are the they are gonna be the ones
1: affected the most. No, of course, definitely. And interesting enough, I mean, just to give it more factors, by um in 2060, right, new um, water and desalination will meet up to. Eighty-five percent of Singapore's future water demand. Right. So this is actually pretty encouraging, if you ask so, me. So
0: new water and desalination are, mm. are water processes that Singapore has some control over. Exactly. More than imported or mm. catchment water.
1: Right. So maybe let's just look at some charts, right? So right. right now, like you like you mentioned earlier, uh, the domestic sector is using about forty-five percent of the water, and 55 percent in the non-domestic sector. Right. Right. So they come for supplies from. Local catchment, imported water, new water, desalination, four types essentially. Right. In 2030, that's going to be 40% domestic and 60% uh, non domestic. Right. And in 2060, like you mentioned, it's going to be 30% domestic and 70% non domestic. It seems like we are growing in the industrial or non domestic area for our water consumption. Right. Yeah, as, as we go through maybe in the next um, 40 years.
0: What are the sources of some of this increases? Uh, mm. Like, why, why, this is, where is this data from?
1: from this is a public utility board. Right. So mm. where, where does the
0: PUB think all this non-domestic demand is going to come from? Do they think mm. that we're going to be developing more industries that
1: are going to just be more water-intensive? Are we building water theme parks? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> I think as I think, yes, we are taking more uh, uh, intensive technological uh, uh, things, like, for example, um, uh, wafer right. Or maybe some high tech uh, or high level uh, manufacturing, right. or precision engineering, right uh, which, which requires t- tons of water. Right. I think this is where the sectors that, are, that they're also growing because we can't. Uh, I think in Singapore, if we are growing, say, uh, say uh, that requires a high amount of uh, what do you call? Uh, Degrees and people with high uh, higher amounts of uh, in, in, in intellect in in trying to do all these things, I suppose high tech high tech areas are going to be growing in Singapore as well I sure. think so yeah so I, I think these are the industries that they're predicting'll that be growing up based on right. uh, the, the trends that they we've seen over the years and economically what's this going to be impacting our water sources right yeah so 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 just just to give it a basic idea, I think this is essentially what's going to be progressing in the next forty years for us. Right. But really, sometimes I think it's also good to know our history a little bit. Yeah. Do you think I, so? I'm a big yeah. fan of
0: history. Let's get a sense of history on this. Sure.
1: So, I mean, this water, I mean, Singapore's water reliance is really, uh, stretches all the way down to even past our colonial times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, since this year is about bicentennial, it would be good to also recap exactly what, what, have, what went down and how, maybe in our bicentennial, how, how they came to Singapore. I mean, even Raffles, when he came to Singapore, how they actually source for water supplies right. and water, uh, uh, how to, how, how they actually supply their ships for all these things. So let's look down a bit of history, all right? So local water supply and the first water imports during colonial time. So the f- history of common water supplies, you to know, begin with the construction of the Magnetry Reservoir. All so right, that's so the first reservoir. That's the f- First, um, common water supply. Okay. Yeah, that's the first common water supply. But actually, if you if you think about it, the history of clean water is actually even before this as well, before the McRitchie. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> maybe maybe just let me just go into one area. I think we covered in our previous episode as well about this particular thing. Do you remember there was this hill that was supplying water?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then
1: there's, there's a well that, they, that was actually one of the first few identified areas for water supply in Singapore. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so during during the time when Sir Stamford Raffles actually uh um uh, landed in Singapore, um, why the British actually chose Singapore as a trading post in the first place was because it accessed to clean water. Right. That's actually, actually one of the reasons.
0: This this hill
1: was Fort Canning Hill, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. The, yeah. That was where the kingdom was based.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. I like
1: how we're tying back to old episodes. Exactly. Yeah. So, in fact, digging a well for drinking water was among the first tasks ordered by Raffles when he landed in Singapore. Right. Right. And eight months later, the British completed building a reservoir near the foot of Bukit Larangan, now Fort Canning Can Can Hill. Right. right. Uh, despite being rudimentary, the reservoir had an aqueduct that carried water to cluster line a cluster-lined tank sited at the edge of the Singapore River. Right. So this, this tank uh, had a spout that actually was used to uh, help uh, where, where small boats would come along and actually fill that water right. and carry it back to some of the larger ships. So these were actually water sources that, uh, uh, during the time, uh, that Fort Canning was actually like supplying water for, for ships. Mm. Yeah.
0: So this was our first reservoir. This was our first reservoir. Okay. especially. So this reservoir doesn't exist because they have built over it. They, I mean, Fort Canning Hill now. I don't see yeah. a reservoir there. <laughs>
1: yeah. It, actually, what happened was that uh, w- uh, in 19, 1830s, right, the demand actually exceeded the capacity. Okay. And uh, Furthering on, uh, what happened was that the uh, the water source actually ran dry. <laughs> so okay, yeah, seems like history yeah. could be repeating itself. Yeah. Uh. So 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 essentially, uh, because the demand was so much to the point where uh, people were just extracting water out from off, from the ground, and they just couldn't. They it was just too slow. Right. And then it really outstripped the actually water uh, in in that area. So. To, to, to actually circumvent the situation, this is why we talked about why they actually built the first, uh, common, uh, reservoir, first common source, which is the McRitchie Reservoir. Yes. Right. So 1823, the British resident John Crawford proposed spending 1,000 Spanish dollars to build a new reservoir. Uh, but this did not materialize. In 1852, the government surveyor engineer John Turnbull Thompson suggested drawing water from the Singapore Creek which is supposed to be a Singaporean. So we actually tried to find different sources. Right. But that 1823,
0: oh, just to provide some context, mm-hmm. is four years after Raffles yes, landed in Singapore, uh, according to the 1819 timeline. Mm. 1852 is a grand uh, 30, 33 years yeah. after he landed. So mm. even back, even 33 years after he landed, there was still not too much of a government
1: concerted effort mm.
0: to provide water. That's actually mm. quite. Uh, and uh, and they tried to do it again. again. Yeah,
1: and they tried to do it again by trying to dam I think it was trying to dam the Singapore River and right. trying to get some sources but they still couldn't get the idea uh the idea couldn't go through. Right. So in eighteen fifty seven, uh the idea of having a proper reservoir resurfaced again when Tan Kim Singh, a wealthy Straits Chinese merchant, uh, donated thirteen thousand straits dollars to the local government to improve the town's water supply. And this uh this was essentially what happened that uh, Singapore actually was growing from uh, actually growing eightfold from 10,000 to 81,000. Uh, yeah, in
0: a span of around 36 years. Yeah, that's
1: right. It was, we, we were, it was actually was a growing port essentially. Right. Yeah. So, with, uh, Tan's nation, the government began building plans in January for a new reservoir and waterworks. But when cost estimates ballooned to 100,000 straight dollars, the Bengal Presidency, Calcutta, which ambassador the British colony, refused to sanction the project. You, you need to understand that this was the time that was the British, um, uh, the East British India East company. Indian company. And right. So these were actually very expensive things that were were right. trying to do. What is a hundred thousand straight dollars? That's,
0: that sounds like a lot of old money. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it th- sounds, yeah, because I, what I admire about this and this again, is an appreciation of Singapore mm. history is that it took someone who was a straight Chinese to say, yes. all right, you guys are not going to do anything. You British people, mm. I'm going to come in and do something. I'm going to mm. give you the starting fund. Right. And then after that, uh, the government was like, all right, all right, we'll do something. And then, even then they were like, well, it's, it's gotten too expensive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, to cut to cut chase, the Bangkok government finally agreed right. to fund half the project. So uh, the remaining was actually uh, raised through a loan. So the new impounding reservoir, this common reservoir, renamed to the Thomson Road Reservoir in 1907 and thereafter as the McRitchie Reservoir in 1922. Oh, so it,
0: had, it has three names. It had the impounding reservoir as the right. first name. Thompson Road Reservoir is its second name Yeah. and by 1922 it was the
1: McRitchie Reservoir. Mm. Okay, that's right. But it and uh, it began its operations in 1877 which is exactly 20 years after Tan Kim Singh's philanthropic gesture. Mm-hmm. So this is actually our first reservoir. Very cool, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so a long history of trying to get the this McRitchie reservoir. reservoir is huge. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, that's where uh the Treetop Walk and the huge forest. Oh, okay. I mm. I know it's one of our most iconic reservoirs. I didn't mm-hmm. know it was
1: our first. Yeah, it was our first uh, reservoir to try to. So, <clears throat> so I mean, fast forward. Uh, by the end of 1900, Singapore's daily water consumption had surged to 4.5 million gallons, and of course, this was due to a booming population. Right. So they decided to the best course action next was to enlarge the impounding Reservoir. And they carried out between 1891 and 1894 at the cost of 32,000 streets dollars. And we essentially have a large reservoir, I think, which is why Migratory Reservoir is so big, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, so. It's think, almost, it's almost like a lake. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so in, in, 1905, they further raised to increase its capacity to obtain additional water. Uh, but I think this was not a really a sustainable thing. So they actually proposed to even build more uh, reservoirs. So, um, so after the Thomson Road Reservoir, right, um, began operation, uh, let me just go on. It, there was a second reservoir that was actually being built. That was in Cullum. Yes, that's right. And, uh, it was, it was called the Cullum Reservoir. Right. And then thereafter renamed the Pierce Reservoir in 1922 and Lower Pierce Reservoir, which is the name today, I think. Yes, in that's the current name. Yep. Yeah. So that was our second reservoir. Okay. Yeah. So uh because uh we we don't have enough uh water to supply. So water has always been really a big concern in Singapore mm-hmm. when we tr- we've been impounding reservoirs and time and time again. Yeah.
0: So uh, I always thought the reservoirs were like a PAP thing, like uh like our Singaporean government, but it's mm-hmm. good to know that <laughs> even back then the British were like, Yeah, we need to be uh, smart about our water. Let's let's build catchment for it.
1: Yeah, and and I think this water, the need for water, stretches all the way. I mean, in the bicentennial, it was a 200 year old history. This this need. For it's water, more than 200. Yeah, it's more than 200. Is this need for water has been going for quite a while. Right. Yeah.
0: And as you as you mentioned, mm. one of the reasons why the British came was because we had water. Yeah. Mm. So so our our ability to source and, and do with water is it's a big part of our history. It seems.
1: Mm. So furthering on, I think Pierce uh, uh, warned that the water situation will end in disaster unless large and bold measures were taken because we're really expanding. And so the municipal uh, council's initial solution was to construct a third reservoir at Salita and now renamed as Upper Salita Reservoir in right. 1992. So we, as a, growing, as a growing country or as a growing uh, uh, trading post right. with so many people there was always a need to try to build the next reservoir and it was actually a race to see how we can actually get more water. Right. Yeah. What,
0: what, I, what I'm seeing here is that initially they wanted Salita Reservoir to be as big as the Pierce Reservoir. That's correct. Uh, but this was also around the time where uh, an alternative scheme came up, which mm-hmm. is the Johor Water Scheme. Exactly. So instead of making Salita Reservoir too big, they said, all right, we'll make it just, just sufficient and we'll actually focus on supplying that amount of water that we're missing out on mm-hmm. from Johor.
1: That's correct. Okay. So that was the time where we started to uh, have, have water sources coming up from Johor. Right. So um, so the idea of importing water from Johor uh, came as early as 1904 after Pierce predicted that Singapore would continue to face chronic water shortages even if it were to develop all of its potential water resources on the island. Right. So even if we try to dam everything according to him at the point of time, we won't have enough water. So <clears throat> over the next uh, decades, Skudai River, Lingui River, a tributary of the Johor River, and Palupa River in the state of Johor were identified as potential water sources for Singapore. Right. And finally, in tw- 1923, the Minnesota got, got Council concluded the best solution was to obtain water from Gunong Pulai in Johor due to its height. So essentially what they were trying to do was that because it was a high water source right, and through gravity, they could then easily just transfer this water to Singapore.
0: Are we so? Is this is this us trying to buy that water? Or are we actually buying the land and, and so what happened? Then?
1: So you need to understand that during that point of time, Malaysia and Singapore was still like a like a one country kind oh, of thing. Oh right. Yeah. So it they were was, all under the British. Yeah, that's area. right. Yeah. So what they were doing is just really just trying to transfer water from another place. Okay. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a territorial con- uh, concern at the point of time. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, th- These were things that, uh, of course, between states, there are some exchanges and some currencies that I actually talk about, mm-hmm. but I think we'll cover about, cover that later. Okay. Okay. But essentially, this was how we, uh, how our appearance of reliance on water from Johor actually came about, mm-hmm. because there was really not enough water in Singapore, even we, even we tried to fill all the dams okay. and yeah. all the reservoirs. So that's why we needed uh, Johor's water in right. Singapore to try. <clears throat> so... The development of uh, the Gunung Pulai scheme, which cost 22 million straight dollars, involved the construction of dams to create a 1.2 billion gallon impounding reservoir at the Mountains Ridge in 1927, and a second 3.2 billion gallon re- reservoir located five miles away in Pon- uh, Pontian Kachil in 1931. Okay. Yeah. So these were actually the uh, the areas that we actually uh, uh, that was invested to build water sources for Singapore.
0: And and in Gunung Pulai there were. Uh, they created a plant to do treatment as well. Mm, that's to right. do treatment of the water. So, okay, so what what I'm hearing is that they created some dams, they developed a waterworks in Malaysia, mm. uh, or rather what was back there in Malaya, uh, mm. and
1: then from there they piped all the treated water
0: across, uh, into Singapore.
1: Mm, that's correct. So, uh, I think there's also some history also as, uh, I think, I think that, that should really give you an idea and so forth about the history of how uh, how Singapore started to have imported water yep. from Johor, so that that uh, that actually should give us an idea why this history actually came about in the first place. <clears throat> I <clears throat> I think um in to further on that, uh, well, Singapore also started to uh, build things like unprotected catchments as well to increase. Our water, uh, ability to actually harvest water as well. Right. So McRitchie Upper Piers and Lower piers Reservoir located in central catchment nature, nature reserve. As it's not possible to build new reservoir within this gazetted nature reserve at a point of time, it became nature reserve. Yep. The PUB had to look elsewhere for oh, water. Well, this is very really fast forward when, uh, the, when the PUB was ready in power. Uh, so <clears throat> the PUB is already been established. In 1972, the agency released the first water master plan, which charted the long-term development of water resources in Singapore. And one innovative method adopted by Pew was the the creation of a string of unprotected catchments across the island. Mm. Unlike protected reservoirs, such catchments are located in urban areas uh, using water that is of low quality and high organic matter. But what they do is that they improve the filtration process and methods so that they're able to then harvest this water for Singapore to consume. Right. Yeah. So it's almost like a decentralized way Mm. of collecting water. Correct.
0: Correct. The Central Catherine Reserve, by the way, is a fascinating part of Singapore that I think a lot of us, uh, just take for granted. Mm. In that we, we are a small island, mm. but we have this
1: huge
0: part of the island right in the middle mm-hmm. that is just pure forest, uh, and, 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 and all these big reservoirs, right? Like yeah. the upper, upper and lower piers and McRitchie. Like yes. Uh, that's crazy that we, as a country, have decided no, we're going to keep this, <laughs> mm. uh, and, and 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 I'm glad that we have, and there's always going to be more debates about you know development versus versus conservation, but yeah, that the fact that we have the Central Catchment Reserve is a big
1: win <laughs> for Singapore. Of course, yeah. yeah, and of course, I think um, if you ever been to the city skyline in Singapore, like for example, you've gone to Marina mm-hmm. Baraj, right, and that's also actually a catchment area yeah. as well. Right. So, so the Marina Barrage actually is the 15th reservoir that, uh, uh, that Singapore has. Uh, just a uh, trivia as well. There are 17 water, uh, water catchment areas in Singapore. Uh, all 17 reservoirs? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, or at least a size of a reservoir. Right? right. So, so these, uh, the 15, and of course it serves to store water, alleviate flooding, and also to have recreational activities as well. So it, it actually adds to the whole city skyline. So this is one of the more prominent areas that you actually get to see across the Singapore skyline, mm-hmm. which is the Marina Barrage area and the Marina, <coughs> the the Marina uh, supposedly water catchment area. Right. Yeah. So this is this is pretty interesting and uh, <coughs> uh, this this is one of the areas in which Singapore um, uh, did to actually um, obtain water and build uh, build uh, essentially our our uh, to to address the need for water over over some uh, over over 200 years, essentially. Right. But I think moving on, uh, Singapore also realized that uh, trying to uh, essentially obtain uh, water by yourself through your mm-hmm. own catchment and trying to import water from Johor, it's not going to answer to all our water needs. Mm-hmm. It just isn't enough. So further on, uh, to reduce the uh, reliance of water uh, uh, across like imported water or really to just try to keep damping, was uh, building these things called uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, desalination plants, mm-hmm. as well as water reclamation systems as well. Right. So they are like new water and also desalinated water, essentially. Right. So an, uh, a recommendation um, <clears throat> uh, in 1972, the water master was to use reclaimed water and, uh, and water that has been profiled to a high degree. Um, but that, uh, this is not an entirely new concept. Uh industrial water was first introduced in nineteen sixty with the construction of our drone uh industrial waterworks to supply non-portable water for industry. Um, but I think at a point of time um uh the the water technology was not very effective. Right. Yeah, so this wa- this I mean, thing of non-portable water. yeah non-portable mean? water. So uh, so uh, then uh these plants actually uh, were supposed to then in nineteen seventy four uh experimental plant in Giron they tried to do all this water reclamation, was actually decommissioned. Mm. Yeah. As the water purification technologies available then were unreliable and expensive. Mm-hmm. So uh, Singapore has already tried to to uh, to reduce its reliance on water from uh, imported water as well through uh, reclamation. But unfortunately, technology wasn't matured enough to do those processes. But we started in 1974. Yeah, that's wow. right. Yeah. And so it will take another 25 years before technology uh, catches up. And now that we have uh, water reclamation uh, uh, technology, and now we call it new water, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it conducted in 1998, revealed that water reclamation was a growing trend globally, and that membrane-based purification technology had become more reliable and cost-efficient. This led to the opening of the prototype new water demonstration plant at Burdock Water. And soon, we were actually reclaiming water in uh, 2000. Right. Starting 2000, I, I remember, think,
0: I remember in 2000, yeah. I was uh, around, <laughs> I'm telling my age, I guess, but uh, in 2000, <laughs> I was around, what, seven years old? Mm-hmm. And I remember as a primary school kid being given my first bottle of new water. Yes. Uh, and I remember drinking it and being like, huh, oh, this is water. And then everyone, like, it was a whole, I it was Prime Minister Lee. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, was it Prime Minister Lee? No. In two thousand
1: was it was a Gochok Tong?
0: Yeah, yeah. So someone, someone drank new water that's right. during the rally. Yeah,
1: that's right. Was it Gochok Tong? I think it was. Yeah. As a, as yeah. a, as a fault to say that it is safe yes. to consume this water. Yeah. But really, um, if you know, if you understand the process of new water, actually, it's ultra, um, mm. ultra pure water, and actually ultra even purer than 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 portable water that you would think. It, yeah. Is, is something. So ultra get. pure water actually is. Actually, is not good for uh, human consumption right. because it will strip off uh, minerals from our body. So as it goes through your body, it will actually strip off all your minerals. So right. ultra ultra uh, ultra pure water is actually not good for us. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> that, that was actually how how clean or how how uh, advanced the water purification technology is in the new water. Product. Have they fixed it now? Is, is new water not that pure anymore? Oh, no, it's not that. I mean, they, with this understanding, actually, what they did was they blended new water with raw reservoir water oh. so the subjecting mix actually allowed for trace and minerals to be added to your okay. water sources okay so so of course uh, then again the ultra uh, clean water could be used for industrial use right but uh, if mixed with that indu- mixed with reservoir water would actually be uh, much more uh, portable for human consumption as well mm. so this is actually new water it's so i remember i remember the history like we were worried like is this like Poop and pee water. Yes. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not going to drink my own poop and pee. Uh, but I think soon enough, I think everybody kind of forgot about it, right?
0: Right. I yeah. mean, again, the technology and, and the way that we kind of committed to that process mm-hmm. uh, is, is, something that, is something that is indicative of a Singaporean uh, virtue, right? Which is that, hey, we have a constraint, we have a problem, we have a limitation. But rather than see it as something that will limit us, we try to find ways to create opportunity out of it.
1: That's correct.
0: Uh, and, and water is, is a very key part of that because as we mentioned, uh, we have limited access to water, uh, probably less prominently, but slightly in my opinion, more significantly, we, we have increasing demand because we have more people, we have more industrial needs, and it's not really sensible to say, hey, cut down on your economic growth, uh, because you don't have enough water. But, but at the same time, like, how do you, how do you try to solve that problem? And, and, and all of that kind of pushed us in a very big way to over 25 years mm-hmm. develop what is now
1: one of our key, uh, technological, uh, strengths, mm-hmm. uh, new water. Right. That's right. So. Now that we touch on water reclamation and we talk, talk we talked about the four taps earlier. So we had uh we had uh water coming from reservoirs, right? Catchment right. areas, we talked about importing water from Johor. Now we talked about new water, right. and that's the third tap. And now we're going to talk about the fourth tap right. essentially. So the fourth tap is actually desalination, right? So in the nineteen seventy-two Water Master Plan also recommended tapping seawater as another source of water supply. However, minerals and salts have to be removed from seawater first in the process of desalination. Unfortunately, as the desalination technology available at the time was energy intensive and costly, uh, the POV decided not to adopt this method. So fast forward this in 2005, desalinated water officially became the fourth national tap. Right. So if you think about it, it's almost like, uh, kind of like over 30, 30 plus years. So I'm,
0: a, so I'm a bit curious why we would do desalination if we already had new water. Uh, mm. Is desalination just, uh, because even, even the, the articles and, and what I'm reading says that new water reverse osmosis basically is more yeah. energy efficient. Right. So why,
1: why desalination? Because the, uh, uh, because, um, water reclamation cannot, uh, can only generate a certain amount of water, uh, uh, to Singapore. Okay. So there is not enough, uh, there's not enough production of water to for example, if we want to uh, stop imported water, for example, right. there's just not enough water to be uh, placed back into our industrial usage or our our total usage as so well. So then we need to draw from the sea. That's right. And if we draw from the sea, then we need to undergo desalination. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so, so it, that actually
0: surprises me because desalination, in my mind, seems like a much more intensive and and also less technologically complex. Complex, okay, uh system compared to reverse ocean. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I have a very limited knowledge of of, of, of that, but sure, it's, it seems interesting that desalination was our
1: last tap. Right, <laughs> right. So anyway, to to go on, in two thousand five, uh, desalinated water officially became the fourth national tap. Right, right. With the opening of the first desalination plant in Tuas, uh, I think this name became a household name. is High Flux, a very wholly owned subsidiary. SingSpring Private Limited won a bid with the construction of a desalination plant under PUB's design, build, and own and operate model. So this actually supplied 30 million gallons, uh, but you need to understand Singapore's total consumption is way more than right. 30 million gallons. We, we said 465. Right? Yeah, exactly. So in 2013, HyPots won a second bid to construct the second desalination plant uh, 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 to supply over a 25-year period. And... Uh, by 2020, Singapore is expected to commission three more desalination plants into us, Marina East and Jurong Island. So by 2060, mm-hmm. Singapore's total water demand could almost double. Yeah, with, this is what we said earlier. Yeah,
0: but yeah. but I think what's, what should be noted is that High flux is also controversially uh, like they basically had to file for bankruptcy. That's right. right. That's because right. the whole process of DBO, design, build, own and operate, mm-hmm. it takes a huge amount of burden on uh, High Flux. Uh, you get to own more more of your profits, but but uh, obviously, HyFlux wasn't able. I actually, based on what I read, mm. based on what I read, <laughs> uh, what I what I understand is that is that this desalination was a huge cost. Yeah, that HyFlux wasn't able to to handle that that huge cost.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Which which actually may have caused it to go under. That, that's what you're saying, yeah. right? Yeah. But anyway, Singapore is still dedicated to make sure that. Uh, we continue to build more desalination plants, right? Mm-hmm. Singapore build more desalination plants, and in fact, raising that to another thing, another three more plants in Tua's very east and Jurong Island. So that will actually make, as we talked about earlier, by 2060, almost 85% of Singapore's water future needs will be met by water reclamation as well as uh, desalination. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, there are other water strategies that Singapore tries to do, for example, a deep tunnel sewage so uh sewerage system right? uh which is uh, almost like 48 kilometers long deep sewer tunnel running from kranji to changi uh centralized water reclamation plant at changi two deep sea outfall pipes and 60 content links i think this this is uh, partly a storage and reclamation system right that actually goes at uh denise singapore really invisible this is already built yeah that's right oh wow yeah so I, I think Singapore is really serious about its uh, trying to make it, it has to be that's, yeah. that's what we were just saying. yeah but why is that so I mean why is it that Singapore is so hard about water and making sure that we are self-sufficient in in water and making sure that we have enough water and and also to meet a growing demand and and this really is uh this really is uh I would say um uh some political uh, struggles that we have especially during the separation. Uh, from Malaysia Mm -hmm. that actually uh, uh, told us that we should actually be more self-sufficient in the water supply and how we actually uh, uh, consume as well as uh, deliver water to the population. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, it it starts with a very simple, but maybe we we do need to rehash, with a very simple understanding that water Mm. is important for survival. Yeah, right? right. And not just water... For survival, but also water as as as, as a key uh, prerequisite for a good quality of life. Being able yes, right. to shower, mm. being able to uh, have clean water to cook. Yes, right. All of these things make your life better. Uh, and in Singapore, we want to make sure that at a baseline, everyone has access to so, water.
1: So early, you asked, why is it that we can't actually do more new water, for example, right? right, and and stuff like that? Maybe just to give an idea of what. How each of the different categories or the four tabs actually deliver the amount of water okay. to give an idea of why, how far we are away, and the amount of resources necessary to build these systems and how much water they can generate. Yeah. So rainfall collected in artificial reservoirs that we have really built, right, actually supplies about two to three hundred million gallons a day. Right. Okay. Uh, and imported water from Malaysia is up to 250 million uh, gallon pure gallons per day. Right. Right? So so we, we see that the reservoirs as well as imported water are about the same, right? About the same depending on the, depending on the, the time of the year or the amount of rainfall. Reclaimed water only gives us about 115 million gallons a day. Mm-hmm. And desalination actually gives out about 15 million gallons, uh, uh, or officially only 10% of the demand oh, wow. that we have. So I, I, I suppose also it is the capital intensiveness of delivering such uh, systems and infrastructure versus the versus water as well that we can get from other sources as mm-hmm. well so it's really a cost and uh, a cost study as well to how much investment we we, we can have uh we need to actually build water self sufficiency as well yeah yeah i think recently also the government actually raised the the, the cost of uh uh Water, the cost of water to actually residents as well. Right. I think in view of the fact that the amount of capital needed to invest towards such uh, water resources as well, or water infrastructure, yeah. So, but also
0: a big part of that was the fact that they hadn't increased the water prices for, like, for a very long time, which was exactly. kind of difficult. <laughs> they should have been more smart about raising their water sure. consistently,
1: sure. rather than making a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> But essentially, we clean water and desalination water only fulfills um, less than I think uh, maybe forty percent of our water yep. uh, water needs now. And still, so largely, uh, the the uh, the bulk of our water needs actually needs to come from imported water as well as the catchments that we already have. What What I find interesting is that I'm, I'm reading here that the chairman of the
0: PUB mm-hmm. admitted in 2012, so this is around six yeah. years ago, that water self-sufficiency. Could be achieved well before 2061. Mm -hmm. Wow. So he, we genuinely believe that we can be self-sufficient. Yes. We don't have to
1: import water. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. We we will get there later about why there's a need for self-sufficiency in Singapore. But yes, uh, we could actually be well ahead of the target by 1961. But just to give, uh, uh, 2061.
0: Is way past. Bro. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so just to give you an idea, we talked about reservoirs and I uh, earlier mentioned there are 17 right. reservoirs in Singapore. Are you, gonna, just, are you gonna list them out? Yeah, I'm just gonna list them out so that if you live near those areas, you know where you, uh, where you are. Okay. Well. So there's the Badok Reservoir, Jurong right. Lake, Crunchy Reservoir, Lower Pierce Reservoir, Lower Savita Reservoir, Matt Ritchie Reservoir, Marina Reservoir, we talked about that. Uh, that's a barrage. Yeah, that's a barrage. Murai Reservoir. Pandan Reservoir. poyan Reservoir. I think that's up north. Uh, Pulau Takong Reservoir. Oh, that one I know. <laughs> yeah, of course, we all know. We all know. Yeah. Uh, Pongo Reservoir. serimbun Reservoir. serimbun Sarimbun Reservoir, sorry uh Serangoon Reservoir, tengah Reservoir, Upper Peirce Reservoir and Upper Seletar Reservoir. There. Mm. Coming to 17 reservoirs in total. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure we are, if we are going to be building more but I think that's really a lot of reservoirs for a really small island. Well,
0: if you think about it, building a <laughs> reservoir is going to take away land
1: in mm. already land
0: start Singapore. Uh I doubt that we will have the capacity to build more reservoirs. Yeah.
1: And already 2 thirds of the, the country's surface areas are classified as partly protected catchment areas. With certain restrictions on land use, yeah, because we need to capture the water or the rainwater and collect it as drinking water. Yeah, so we've already yeah. given up a
0: lot of our land.
1: Exactly, exactly. So uh, the next thing is, of course, uh, water from catchment, and the next thing is, of course, is imported water, which is from the Johor. Uh, I think it's through the um, the Johor, Johor Singapore Causeway. Yeah. And uh, I, I just just reveal also the the, the Causeway also carries a real a real railway if you want to know. <laughs> yeah okay yeah so as of 20, uh, 2009 imported water has been reduced from 50% previously to 40% of total consumption wow yeah after the expiry of a 1961 water agreement between Malaysia and Singapore in 2011 uh, two agreements are enforced now so which I'll, cap, I'll, I'll touch on later yep. one was signed in 1962 and another in 2000 both will expire. Both of them will expire in 2061. So just to know why we keep talking about 2061, which you earlier highlighted, right. is the date of the expiry okay. for uh, or when uh, uh, Malaysia has... Uh, Mal- we will need to recontract with Malaysia or have a different arrangement with Malaysia on how water is to be uh, brought into or imported into Singapore. Right. To, so to we
0: have a runway of around... Forty-two years now.
1: That's right. Correct.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: And forty-two years to become either self-sufficient or have an, I have a, another deal with uh for imported water. Or forty-two
0: years is when my generation is gonna be in power, probably, right? <laughs> uh, or maybe even. <laughs> when...
1: I thought you're already in power. No, no, no. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, this is our problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so it's a really, it's a really uh, uh, interesting time. I think we're gonna be living through those who are viewing probably you'll be living through this time where uh we'll see the end of this contract in mm-hmm. 2061. So if anything you didn't listen up today, just know this date, 2061. That's a very critical date for Singapore to see whether we can reach our self-sufficiency in water. Mm-hmm. All right. I like how, if you actually think about it, the fact that we
0: set up a plan in 1962 mm-hmm. to last, till 2061, that's nearly uh, 99 years. Right. That's a 99 year uh old water plan. Yes. How, how did we agree to that? <laughs> how did the other side agree to that? It's a it's a right. very long-term plan. I, you I, would never sign a 99-year plan now. Right, um, right, right. Maybe I, a 99-year <laughs> lease, mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> but, but not a 99-year water
1: plan. Well, you do sign a 99-year year HDB. That's what I said,
0: a 99-year <laughs> lease. Uh, but, but you know that you're going to probably sell that. You know... That plan, that lease, that HTTP lease, in some ways you're gonna, you can sell your your property at some point. You can there's a contract that you can break. Mm. Uh, whereas with this, it seems like there's, very, there's much more rigidity. To me, mm-hmm. I, I I mean I on Singapore side, I'm glad we did it. <laughs> right. Like the fact that we have uh, affordable water being bought, but at the same
1: time, like it was. Well, low. I suppose our leaders really really think ahead. I suppose. Um, and and therefore that's why we come with such really long contracts. All right. And uh, people at the point of time when they formulate the contract couldn't see the end of 99 years when <laughs> they actually signed it. They couldn't visualize how 99 years will change a lot of things as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I think people were very daring enough to actually sign these. Maybe they said that things won't change so much after 99 years. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But I think in, in today's society maybe we become our are much shorter, so we think that 99 is, wow, I need to do more things I mean, in a year. I mean, well. I will also say that I think a lot more things happen
0: in one snap of a finger today mm. than they probably did a long time back. Right, uh, right. And that maybe that's also because we just have access to so much more information at the snap of a finger. Right, right.
1: So maybe maybe we talked about so much about the four tests, but maybe let me just go into one area that we haven't really talked about, and that is actually... PUBs water conservation okay least. right so actually in line with the fact that we've been trying to build water infrastructures was uh the other portion was to educate the public on uh, the importance of saving water mm-hmm. and i think that i'm not sure where you live through i live through a point where we actually have to ration water as well have you, you, ever you have to
0: live through
1: that yeah we had water ration exercises Right, that no, we had to live through I want
0: to say that I remember something like that, mm-hmm. but I cannot say for sure.
1: I remember my mom putting a bucket in the in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. So that uh, during the water rationing exercises, we only could use that bucket.
0: Is this exercises are these like, just like actually because something happened, or is it just because they wanted to prepare us?
1: I think it's just for preparation. Yeah. So I yeah. remember those.
0: I remember mm-hmm. that they was one day where they would say, "Okay, we're gonna." We're going to cut the water supply Mm. and you're going to have only this much water. Yeah, I remember something. Yeah.
1: But do you know what's the history of that? Why do we have water rationing exercises?
0: Oh, wow. I completely forgot that we
1: did that. Yeah. Wow. Somewhere in history, we actually, sometimes we actually take it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. But why, why is it that we have water conservation exercises? And we actually lived through some of the exercises as well. Mm -hmm. Was that in 1963, a severe drought swept through Singapore and our neighbors up north? Forcing the authorities to issue an urgent appeal to the public to use less water until the water levels went back to normal. Unfortunately, the public did not keep an appeal, leading to water rationing that lasted 10 months from April 1963 to February 1964. Yeah, it sounds so, like classic game theory. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically everyone saying, well,
0: if, if everyone else is going to be getting water for themselves i probably should
1: as well yeah and of then, course and then, that's and then nobody did. nobody tries to ration the water yeah. as well but essentially what happens is that it became an enforcement of water rationing and people actually uh, actually had to had to take buckets and actually fill that fill their buckets with water and then essentially that's all they could use for the day wow yeah right that's crazy yeah i know right yeah so what then following on from this 1963 uh, history of water conservation, right? Uh, in uh, Slowly through the years, PUB started to educate the public on the importance of water. So in 1970s, PUB launched its first national water conservation campaign, adopting the slogan, Water is Precious. Okay, yeah. yeah. Pretty straightforward, right? Uh, community activity showed people the do's and don'ts of using water and the campaign was publicized in newspapers, radios, and television. And also, if you don't know, there was this mascot called Bobo the Water Saving Elephant.
0: No way. Have you ever
1: heard of that? No. Yeah. And became... I know
0: Charity, I know Singer.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, we have
0: Bobo. <laughs> Bobo the
1: Water Saving Elephant. It, was, right. it actually became a television cartoon series. Right. On teaching people how to save water. Okay. Yeah, in 1970, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, sure. Maybe we should do a revival <laughs> yes. of some of the mascots in Singapore. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> then PUB chairman, Lim Kim San, who was also education, Minister, stressed that to save water only when there is a drop is not good enough for us in Singapore. Save water must become a daily habit with us. Mm. So that was the 1970s, right? In the 1980s, right, there was another month-long Let's Not Waste Water" Precious Water campaign uh, was launched on the top of water conservation talks in schools and uh, and essentially it was another reminder to the public about the importance of saving water, and it was introduced into schools to understand Singapore's water challenge. And of course, the ones we probably lived through a bit more, uh, you know, in my memories actually in the 1990s, right? So uh, public appeals to cut down undersea water use were made after a long dry period. Uh, then Minister of State of Foreign Affairs uh, and Finance, George Hill reminded people that water is a matter of life and death. Uh, and it was also the time where we introduced this thing called the water conservation tax. Yeah, and, that, and that, that still thing. exists. Yeah, it still exists to the day. Yeah. So if you have if you actually have uh, looked through your bill uh in on your on your on your utilities bill, you'll see this particular tax called the water conservation tax mm-hmm. within your within your utility bills. So if you ever wonder what this is, this is actually a tax to incentivize people to save water. Mm. So the more water you save, actually there'll be less tax. The more water you use above the mark, then of course more. Uh, water conservation tax will be imposed onto yeah. you and your family as well. And right? this is, this is also in the 1990s. I can see here that that was when they had the campaign
0: with the water exactly. rationing. And so that's like, probably, that's where we live too. But right? only with 30,000 households. So we were probably part of 30,000.
1: <laughs> uh, so this is a six day campaign involving water rationing, right? Yeah. And I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it felt like a lot more people were actually doing the water rationing. Maybe. Yeah. Back then our our idea of
0: of, of our neighborhoods were much smaller. So mm-hmm. maybe just knowing that our neighbors did it, it felt like the whole country was there. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I yeah, my neighborhood was my kingdom back then. That was mm-hmm.
1: it. I, I think I think reminisce to this, we don't really have uh, much uh, water rationing exercises anymore. Thankfully. Uh, yeah, thankfully. I think I think we're Oh there
0: yeah, so okay, I when you said Bobo the elephant. Sorry yeah. guys, I just saw this. But we, I, I was thinking of who is our mascot today, and I remember that there is a mascot. It's Water Wally. Water Wally, exactly. Yeah. If you go to the Marina Barrage or any kind of P B event, you'll see this giant droplet, blue droplet. Yes. Water Wally. Uh, yeah. yeah. I still hate Singapore mascots. Why? You I, I thought Water Wally was pretty interesting i i i just think that they trivialize a lot of the issues but well, that's a discussion for another <laughs> day really <laughs> we can um, dive into but it. i
1: remember there was a water Wally uh advertisement right. that's kind of creepy water <laughs> Wally was just like peeking into people's bathrooms oh and like and people were like really happy and surprised they were, so like, kind i of creepy, I, I get the sense that we both don't like water Wally. <laughs> i thought water Wally <laughs> was okay but i mean just a creepy bit yeah. <laughs> yeah so in 2010s i mean which is why we are where where we are right now i mean we have a lot more things like uh uh social outreach and things uh that actually help us to uh, save and conserve water. things like that are yeah. a bit more nuanced which yeah. i like yeah to
0: exactly info, outside.
1: right right maybe let's let's go into uh, just a brief on what exactly are the political areas that uh that water and, and Singapore is really, uh, yes, very closely related. Let's let's right? bring it all back to what's happening yeah. today. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about um how we were actually importing water into Singapore in in the early 1900s, right? So in we, we earlier talked about when, uh, when this happened it was actually 19 1927. So fifth of December 1927, right? Uh. Okay. So there were actually four different signings between Singapore and Malaysia. And the first signing was actually in 1927. Okay. So this agreement in 1927 actually allowed Singapore to lease 2,000 uh, 2,100 acres of land in Mudong Kulai, We talked about it earlier. Yes. Uh, an annual fee of 30 cents per acre for the purpose of supplying raw water to Singapore. Singapore was not charged for water. So in 1927, we were only charged, Singapore was only charged uh, well, renting for the renting land. the land okay. that were generating water okay. and not charged for the water. Okay. All right. So just just know that in this in uh, 2nd of October 1961, the Tebrau and Skudai Rivers Water Agreement. Uh, it replaced the 1927 agreement that allowed water to draw from Gunai Pulau, uh, Tabrao River and Skudai River for a period of 50 years. Well, not a long, long time, right? Correct. Right. So Singapore paid an annual rent of uh, 5 ringgit per acre and 3 cents for every 1,000 gallons of raw water it took.
0: So this is both rental and That's right. the cost of water. Correct.
1: After the agreement expired in 2011, Singapore handed over the Johor state government the Gunung uh, Pulai and Skudai waterworks, as well as the pump houses at Pontian and Terbal without any charges and in good working order. Okay, so yeah.
0: so basically, we paid, we developed all of those waterworks. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not completely sure how much of cost was state bond by maybe the Malaysian government. Maybe there was some. Mm. Maybe there was there are costs that we don't know. Uh, but for the most part, we can, we can say that the development was done by the Singapore, uh, municipal authorities or whoever was. Based oh, it was there. an
1: investment. Yeah, yeah. By Singapore. And, yeah.
0: and after all of that, we just gave it. Yeah. How we said.
1: To return the, it. Yeah. The
0: agreement, so uh, ended will give you this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So this, this water agreement has also been superseded already. Right. So now there are two outstanding agreements that we have with Malaysia. Right. Uh, and so that is the uh, uh, the 29th of September 1962 Johor River Water Agreement. Okay. Right? This agreement is still in effect today and allows Singapore to draw 250 million gallons of water per day of the Johor River for a period of 99 years until 2061, which right. is the date we talked about. Singapore pays rent for the land. It uses at the standard rate applicable to the use uh, made of such lands and in the particular building lots on town land. So it's market rate. So market rate, exactly, yeah. for the land that this, uh, uh, this, uh, uh, water facility is. Yeah. And it also pays for the water it draws at a rate of 3 cents per 1,000 gallons as well, for 1962. Okay. So this is one of them, uh, one of the agreements that still, that still is in effect. Mm-hmm. In 24 of November 1990, uh, uh, there was another agreement which supplements the 1962 water agreement, and still yeah. have it today. All right, the agreement allows Singapore to purchase treated water from Johor in excess of the entitlement of 250 million gallons per day of untreated water under the 1962 agreement. Right? Singapore bore the cost of constructing a dam across Lingui River and maintaining it. So we actually built this, uh, this, uh, dam, uh, dam yeah. And Singapore also paid a one-time upfront payment of uh, 320 million ringgit as compensation for the loss of land use a premium of eighteen thousand uh, ringgit per hectare and rentals for the remaining tenure of the agreement, calculated annual rate of thirty ringgit per one thousand square feet. So this same agreement was expired in 2061, along with the 1962
0: agreement. Oh, okay. So I am. So what we're yeah. saying is that basically, the first agreement permits us to buy two hundred and fifty million gallons per day yes. uh, at three cents per thousand gallons. Yes. Right. If we want to touch anything more than 250 million gallons per day, the second agreement provides for that because we have basically built a dam and we're able to tap onto all of that water at 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 the same cost, uh, three cents per thousand gallons. Correct. But we had to take on a much, Um, much, much bigger cost because we had to pay for the dam. We had to pay for the opportunity cost of the area and everything.
1: Actually, different. uh, Actually, different. So the the September 1962 agreement actually allows us to draw raw water. The, okay. Yeah, the 1990 agreement actually allows us to uh purchase treated water from Johor oh. in excess of the entitlement of 250 million gallons. Okay. Yeah. So what happens is that uh we purchase both raw water and treated water. Do only. we know the
0: cost of that treated water?
1: Uh, unfortunately, I, I can't find out this information at the moment. But what I think is very important for Singapore is really the uh, September 1962 agreement, which talks about the 250 million gallons of raw water, yeah. Which I think Singapore actually takes it and treats it, yes. and then thereby selling it back to Malaysia for treated water as well. Right. Yeah. So this supplementation in the 1990s, whether uh, whether Singapore actually uses it is a different is a different topic for another day as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what really is the important agreement here really is the 1962 agreement to purchase 250 million uh, gallons of water per day.
0: Yeah, and Mm. and if you tie it back to this topic of of a potential drought or potential dry spell and our need for conservation, then what does happen if one day uh, we are A, not self sufficient, B, something does happen Mm in terms of water shortage, and C, uh, when we do try to tap on to uh, our neighbors, they say, no, we, you know, maybe, maybe they're not, it's not well, our uh, poor intention, not mm-hmm. ill intention. They just say, we, we're having struggles as well. And we need to, we need to provide for our people. And Singapore is just going to be left without its own water, mm-hmm. right? So, so I get it. I get why we need to be self-sufficient. I mean, it's, it's duh, uh, but if you really think about it, especially because Singapore would not have
1: regular access to all of their water, yeah. then then yeah, that, that becomes a huge issue. Exactly right, and I think I, I think because there are some things about uh, why Singapore needs to have uh, water reliance is uh, I think like for example uh, in in the separation in 1965, uh, the then Prime Minister Tunku Abdul Rama said that if Singapore's foreign policy is pregi- uh, predici- uh, prejudicial <laughs> prejudicial to Malaysia's interests, uh, uh, quote unquote, we could always bring pressure to bear on them by trying to turn off. The water in Johor.
0: Oh, so they. So remember how I mentioned that they could be not
1: ill intention. Ill, Ill intention.
0: Yes. Yeah, they could also be ill intention. Mm.
1: Okay, which is what this is. Malaysians same. point out that this statement should be seen in the context that Malaysia and Indonesia engaged in confrontation at the time, and the remark referred to the possibility of Singapore siding with Indonesia. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I think I think the contention of water, whether it was siding or whether it's really a, 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 in, in a different context, right. was really. Uh, a topic for politics right water was water is life right and therefore uh this was something that w- why is so central to singapore's uh, political uh, uh political discussion as well then just to add on as well that we had failed water negotiations with malaysia from 1998 to 2002 mm-hmm. so in 1998 singapore began new negotiations with malaysia to extend its water agreements beyond 2011 and 2061 right uh in return, Malaysia initially asked to increase the water price to 60 cent per 1,000 gallons, corresponding to four, uh, 4 US cents per cubic meter. Uh, this price was too much lower than the cost of desalinated the seawater salin- the salin- or new water. However, in 2002, Malaysia asked for a much higher price of 6.4 Malaysian ringgit per 1,000 gallons. So that's six, six dollars and forty ringgit. Yeah. Uh, six forty per 1,000 gallons. Yeah and arguing that Hong Kong paid the equivalent of 8 Malaysian ringgit per 1,000 gallons for water from China. Unfortunately, uh, uh, the this was the, the same this, price as
0: desalinated yeah. water.
1: Yes. So Singapore basically said that, uh, you know, that doesn't make cost yeah. sense for us. Yeah, so Singapore finally refused to accept a high price and decided to give up its goal or to extend agreements beyond 2061. So instead, the country decided to achieve self-sufficient in its water supply before uh, 2061, and the negotiation ended in 2003 without result.
0: Yeah. So we've given up on trying to get more water from exactly Malaysia. Yes. We basically said, you know, there's very little likelihood that you're going to, uh, in good faith, give us a fair price or maybe even a cost competitive price. Correct. Uh, and, you know, we might as well uh, use that opportunity cost and develop our own self-sufficiency mechanism. That's
1: correct. So this date of 2061 becomes a very central date to achieving self-sufficiency right. for Singapore wow. uh, for water. So I think I think I think if there's any takeaway from today's uh, topic really is how does Singapore uh, uh, reach that level of self-sufficiency in 2061? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, and I think uh, you can see why the desalination plants are built based on phases, even new water phases, and when when are we going to be ramping up to make sure that all these plants. And these capabilities are enough to fulfill all our water needs in Singapore.
0: Yeah. So, maybe maybe just to summarize, uh, what I'm hearing, uh, and Billy, thanks so much for, for navigating this huge, complex, and monster, <laughs> uh, is that there are probably a couple of reasons for why uh, we have such water policies. The first, mm-hmm. uh, and probably most prominent, is, is security. Yes. Uh, the second is Livelihoods. We want to be able to provide a basic quality and standard of life in Singapore. That's correct. Uh, the third is some kind of cost management. Uh, so even with the way we do new water and desalination, all of those point in some ways to how we manage the cost of water in Singapore. Uh, and the fourth, uh, is basically just because at the end of the day, we want to be able to, uh, we want to be able to, to be proud of, of the fact that we can do it by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and I think, I think that's a big part of what it means to be a country. That's right. A society and, and, and a lot of that, like being able to not be dependent on someone else's, it's, it's a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So actually you can already kind of see how Singapore is going to be achieving this, um, uh, in the future. Uh, so what happens is that why are we building all these desalination plants? As you can see, the sink spring desalination plants actually creates about 50 million, uh, gallons of water a day. Mm-hmm. So if each plant produces about 50 million and we actually, you can see the number of plants that we're building. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And seven plants will give us about potentially 350 million gallons a day. Right. Yeah. That should cover around that would cover one third of of the needs by twenty six. Correct, and that would completely cover with growth of the 250 million that uh, imported water is actually given to Singapore, right. or rather to sold to Singapore. Very interesting. Yeah, so this is actually how Singapore is doing to try to reach its self sufficiency, and also still making sure that uh, we uh, we can actually pay for this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to to reach that level of water security in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So if if I were to sum it up today, essentially is that water has been a very central discussion in uh, especially in this bicentennial of Singapore, and very always at the back of the head. Uh, sometimes almost invisible something we take it for granted, but water is really a essential discussion uh, for all Singaporeans. Uh, uh, whether it's water security, your livelihood, whether it's for economic progress, whether it's for uh, just just for us to shower. Uh, really water, it becomes a, a, a really important facet in our everyday life and what, and the survivability of Singapore. And until 2061, or rather until the day that you, uh, Singapore reaches self-sufficiency, I think, uh, this will always be at the back of our heads as well, yep. continually as, as we progress as a nation as well. Yeah. Wow. Great.
0: Well, we hope that this wasn't too heavy <laughs> for you guys, uh, and if it was then, then then it's fine. Uh, you can re-listen to us in small chunks on our podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you for for tuning in. I feel like I learned a lot today. Uh, if you are listening to us on podcasts, do uh, share, subscribe, rate. Uh, your reviews and your sharing does help more people get to know about what we're doing. And, and, I, and again, if yeah. you are ever curious about what we're doing, uh, check out some of our earlier episodes uh to see to see some of that. Uh but
1: yeah. Yeah. I hope I hope this is a great uh break this is a long topic. Today we have to see that the hour mark. Today, yeah but we try, we've been trying to bring it down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we went we went over. This is so
1: content rich you know, yeah. this this entire thing. Yeah. But anyway, guys thanks for tuning in. If you have any more questions please leave a comment below and um and we'll try to find something new, interesting topics for you in the next time around. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about the whole mascot thing. Maybe we're going to talk about mascots of Singapore.
0: Uh, sure. <laughs> sure. But
1: in All due right. time, thanks for tuning in, guys. See you All next right. episode.